draws on and right. Brilliant save indeed. Walsh has scored. Leicester City are in dreamland now. Lovely close control there by Weller. Chance on for Birchin or the whack one. It's a beautiful goal. What a Welcome to For Fox Sake, my name is Pete Selby and alongside me is Rob Hayes after back-to-back defeats for Leicester at 1-0 to Middlesbrough, 1-0 to Leeds but sitting pretty at the top of the table still Rob. I'm not panicking, no one should panic and I presume the last person in the world to panic over this is you, Mr Hayes. I'm not well known for panicking, am I? Uh, This is the most negative podcast we've had to do all season and isn't that a lovely position to be in? But is it negative? Because what did I say last time out? Uh, Sorry, first of all, apologies that we haven't done one for a while. Again, schedules just didn't quite work out. So uh, with an international period, gives us a lot of time. Um, So we haven't done one for a while, but um, we've got these two defeats. I mentioned on the previous podcast that if you are... This is possibly the reason why we lost these two games. In fact, of course, it's the reason. If you are winning game after game after game and you're miles clear at the top of the league the the amount to talk about is actually decreased because if there's lots going wrong you can just moan and rant for for ages or if the team needs tweaking or you're in the playoffs and you look you know there are more there's more to talk about when things um are going wrong or needs to be improved um but when you're top of the league, winning game after game by a long way, which of course we were and still are, then there's kind of less to talk about. So now there actually should be quite a lot to talk about. But again, I, I'm, I'm looking back at these two games. I spent all of three and a half minutes before we started talking, Rob. Um, not not about Leicester actually. Before we were talking about a stag do on on Saturday, but uh, more on that later. Oh, someone going on a stag do, are they? Yeah, you're going on mine, so <laughs> um, we'll, we'll 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 touch on that later. But I was just looking at it, going like one nil to Middlesbrough in a game that was very even. Leicester were on top and traded a number of chances that they failed to put away, which I think is really the kind of the the the, the crooks of the side at the moment. And then they score a, a tremendous free kick, and you lose one nil. And then you look back at the Leeds game, and you go. I know Leeds played in a different way to many teams against Leicester, and of course they will because they're one of the better teams in the league. But then you are a a very, very good save away in the injury time from a draw in a game where their goalkeeper made some fantastic saves. And also, it was just... I'd say it's one of those games, but it it really kind of was in a way, wasn't it? It was a a game where we, we had a number of chances which we should have scored, but we can talk more on that kind of later. I think almost Leicester against Leeds is kind of a a strange... It doesn't really matter in terms of the league because Leeds are such a different side to everyone else. So just looking at it now, it, it doesn't seem so bad. Exactly, and the, the fact of the matter is Leicester have won so many games this season already 
that they have accrued the number of points that allows them to lose back-to-back games in the championship and still be top and still have a significant advantage in terms of the automatic promotion places and an even more significant advantage in terms of being in the top six. And ultimately, the objective is be in the top two by the end of the season. And the more points you get earlier on, the more you can afford... uh, I I won't say this is a run of results because it's just two games in a row, but the more you can afford to lose games where things just haven't quite gone for you. I think... um, We've hit the woodwork in both games. It's ifs and buts at this stage, obviously, because the game is gone. But that that's really what we're talking about. If this happens, the outcome is different. Ultimately, the outcome is the outcome. But it's not like we were absolutely hammered. It's not like the Maresca system was completely torn apart and it needs rewriting quickly. Otherwise, we're going to slide on down the table really quickly. Everything is absolutely fine. The performance levels against Leeds and Middlesbrough weren't a million miles away from the performance levels against the teams in the previous three, four, five games. It just so happens that on this occasion, the 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 opponent has converted a chance and we haven't, and that's that's ultimately where you are, and that's going to happen for any team at any level. You look at a team like Manchester City, who everybody would say are are head and shoulders above the rest. They've still lost games in the Premier League this season already. We're going to lose games in the Championship. There's 46 of them. You can't win them all. Um, I think it's quite good, actually, that we've come to an international break as well, just to allow everybody to sort of chunk up the season, really, take stock of where we are, not necessarily focus too much on the fact that we've lost two in a row. Look at it as a period of the season that's been very successful. Two out of three months, he's one manager of the month. And then you get the odd keyboard warrior going, this is a rubbish system, where's his plan B, he needs to go kind of rubbish. I know it's all clickbait and whatever, but I think the key message from For Fox Sake HQ 1 and 2 is no need to panic. Yeah, no need to panic. Uh, There are points with the Middlesbrough game especially, you look at bringing on, I know they brought on Fatou 58 minutes, he's actually been called up um, for international duty. Um ahead of uh I can't remember which I think it was down at Southampton. Anyway, um Vardy coming on with five minutes to go, Wings being booked, missing the next game. Those and and possibly well, those would be the um the suggestions by fans regarding the manager and about those decisions. You know, why weren't more changes implemented in the game. Why wasn't you got Cassidy who who hasn't did play very well against Leeds? I thought um, you've got you know Albrighton, you know, Dacker, Cannons on the bench and then doesn't come on. And obviously then Vardy comes on after eighty five minutes. So th- there wasn't many changes at all. Two changes in a game of football that you lose is is never a good never a good look. But then again, it was a very late goal. Um, so there will be things to look at when it comes to the next game, you know, the fact that there's no winks. But um, I suppose the, the the number one thing is, we, you know, we had more shots than Middlesbrough, but they had more on target. We have lost the last two games. Yes, it's not a disaster. But then you look at the scoreline. We haven't scored then in those two games. And in amongst all this fantastic play, fantastic um, accumulation of points and start to the season, there is still that that glaring 
obvious thing, which I think if you asked any Leicester fan before these two games, they would have said, and now it becomes even more obvious, it's the lack of clinical finishing or the lack of the final ball to provide an easier chance for more clinical finishing from said maybe centre-forwards. And also, I'd throw in their role in the side um, as in almost what they've, what you presume is what they've been told to do. The way that they will drop deep, which you can understand why, because you want those runners from midfield to break through in the way that Leicester like to play. And the likes that of Dewsbury Hall we've seen run on in a one-on-one situation, completely clean on goal. How the hell has he done that? How have they got to that stage? Well, it's through planning and systems and working on the training ground and that run being made knowing that there will be a through ball straight downfield. But then when you have the wing play of Leicester, McAteer, Mavididi, Fatawi, it's it, it's tremendous what we've got out wide. And yet, when they get to the byline or when they cross the ball between the back line and the goalkeeper, and then Kaleci Nacho or Jamie Vardy aren't there, that's when big questions get asked. And that's really where I, I look at the side. You, you're arguing against what the team have been told to do and have been learning on the training ground they've been learning these systems football the Enzo way as the song goes and it means that the center forward will not be right on that back line at all times and yet you've got I know he's old but the number one striker in the Premier League for that in recent decade possibly possibly even in Europe if you know what I mean and I know he's getting on a bit but then you've got Kelechi Nacho who comes deep. Every now and again, when he comes deep and receives the ball, he will turn on a sixpence and then accelerate away or make a pass. That will happen. But I'm afraid Kelechi's link-up play is overall still very poor and was very, very poor against Middlesbrough. Very poor. And... You look at those two strikers and you go like, you know they both can score goals. They have scored goals in this league, but they need to be in the position more often to to actually put the ball in the back of the net because overall, Leicester are the or one of the top three clubs in the league. They will create these chances. So I'm kind of arguing against the way they're playing football. I want that centre-forward to be on that last man in the penalty area, in the six-yard box, to tap home the great play of the wingers, the build-up play. If they're not there, there's no use actually having all that nice play if there's no one to finish the opportunity off. Mavadidi and um, Fatawu, they've, they've crossed the ball on numerous occasions, especially against Leeds, in between the goalkeeper and the last man of the defence. And there's been no one there. Once or twice, I, I put it down to old legs with Vardy because he was trying, but he just couldn't get, get there. But they're coming from a, such a deep position that, again, you're having all this nice play and build-up play, but there's no one there to finish it off. And I just, I don't, it's nothing to do with the actual players. It's the system. Now, how that can be changed to move them further forward, again, that's for the manager, that's for the players. But also, do we have this looming figure of Cannon on the bench who possibly could be that player to put the ball in the back of the net? It was interesting listening to Radio Leicester and having uh, Steve Howard um, talking about that. He's saying it's it's such a 
a different, I think the question was asked to him about what are your thoughts on the style of play compared to the football you used to play? And he goes, well, it's a million miles different from the teams I was involved with to the style of football I was generally involved with throughout my whole career. But I know that if I was playing, I'd score a shed load of goals for this side because I would be on the end of these crosses uh, or these pullbacks from the from the byline. And Leicester really are, are missing that. That's a, a huge thing that Leicester are missing at the moment. It's an interesting one because it is, in some ways, it's quite a simple system because you look at it and you think, okay, the centre forward drops in probably 20, 25 yards deeper than many of us would expect them to be. And that essentially is, in most cases, going to bring one of the centre backs with them, which then means that someone like Jewsbury Hall and Didi, whoever's playing in the in the number eight roles, they can make the runs in behind uh, and support the attack. It, it in, in the crude sense, that's essentially the, the system. All the tippy-tappy stuff in between is is what it is. And, and it's it, it, I've got to say, from my point of view, it's great to see how com- comfortable every Leicester player is on the ball, even in dangerous situations on the edge of their own penalty area. There's clear belief and it from from the manager in them, but also in themselves, that they can play their way out and they're not going to get reprimanded for losing the ball in their own half for trying to play the Enzo way, as you mentioned it. So there's a clear there's a clear stamp on it there. But the issue, as, as you've rightly said, Pete, is the fact that once the centre-forward has dropped in to link up the play to create the space in behind for the midfielders to make that run... The centre-forwards then got an absolute mission to get themselves anywhere near the attacking play, especially if things go a little bit more direct, if you're looking at one of them 30-40 yard through balls or the sort of striker drops off in in the centre circle and there's the quick diagonal out to one of the sides. Leicester are very good at sucking teams over to one side and switching to Fatawu, for example, hugging the touchline on the far side. The strikers then got to bust an absolute gut to get themselves in the in the penalty area, and I don't think Ianacho's got that kind of uh, umph in him sometimes. And Vardy, willing as he is, you're absolutely right. Is he's, he's a yard off off vintage Vardy? So you're then limited to the fact that if Dewsbury Hall has gone wider on the left to support, and he's playing around the corner of the penalty area with Mavadidi, and they've got an option or the opportunity to get a ball into the box. The striker's still not made it to the box. The other number eight might have. The winger from the opposite side is probably just about making their way towards the back stick. And you've got then essentially two targets in the box. And the way most teams have played against us, they're going to make sure they've got at least eight of their own players in the box. So they're outnumbered significantly. And it's got to be an unbelievably good pass or a superb finish to convert what looks like a promising situation so that that's where it can sort of break down a little bit but we've seen in previous games the Leicester score three four goals that that when it clicks it's virtually unstoppable I think the problem that we're going to have is the fact that we're now at a stage of the season where teams have got a lot of data on us. They've got a lot of games to watch back. They can see, and, and especially now we've lost to Middlesbrough and Leeds, the next opponents that are coming up after the international break, the next three, four matches, they're going to be looking at Middlesbrough and Leeds and going, right, how did they nullify Leicester? 
And I don't think they completely swamped us to the point where we didn't create anything. Obviously, the, the stats show that. Double figures in terms of shots in both games. Yes, the on-target uh, statistic is, is the more concerning one, although hitting the frame of the goal doesn't count as on target, and we did in both games. So, you, you know, you could add one more to that if you're, if you're being a little bit sort of pedantic. But they're going to be looking at it and thinking, right, how did they get joy against Leicester? And it, we're going to have to continue to try and find solutions to, to break through that. I've had a bit of time to think about it post two 1-0 defeats in a row. And a lot of people are saying it, not just after losing, but generally speaking, what's Maresca's plan B? And he doesn't really have one. I'll touch upon a point you mentioned earlier, Pete, about the fact that, that there weren't very few changes made, even towards the end of a game. And I think he said it before. He said, I'm not going to make a change for change's sake. It's very clear from our point of view what he considers to be the best uh, players to fit the roles in his system and that there are players on the bench who are at the club but don't necessarily fit the system and therefore will only come on when necessary, not just for a sort of like-for-like change. Um, and, And I think that is part of the reason why We've lost the last couple of games because say what you like and say what we've said about Ndidi, but taking him out of the midfield, it's lost its legs quite significantly. Cassidy had a decent game against um, Sunderland, uh, but then was uh, was sort of missing in action against uh, against Leeds. Uh, and then they try Ricardo in there and he's neat and tidy footwork because that's what the job he's been doing from, from fullback. But... He's not going to give you the legs that Ndidi get. How many times did Ndidi get in the box? Surprise or no surprise. Might have tripped over the ball, might have blasted it into the top corner. Doesn't matter. He was there more often. And I think we just lost a bit of legs in midfield. You would imagine that Ricardo would be fourth or fifth choice to play number eight. Behind now Unisat Gunn. Behind probably Dennis Pratt, who I think if he gets back to some kind of level and consistency could fulfil that role pretty well. Uh, behind Cassidy in most cases, apart from the fact that he had a poor game against Leeds. So I think you've lost Doyle for balance in defence and lost McAteer as an option out wide for a couple of games. I know he's back now, but I think a couple of players missing from a system that's new and from a squad that is nowhere near Maresca's own completely yet. And, and they're bound to be games where things don't just quite click. I don't think he intends to have a plan B. Plan B for me would be if he's got a bench of players who can go straight into the roles that he wants them to. You mentioned someone like Albrighton on the bench, doesn't fit this system. Dakar on the bench, doesn't fit this system. Cannon on the bench has played about three minutes on the grass in training. Not a game where he could come in. So your options are fairly limited at that point. And I think that's probably one of the reasons that it's just not quite clicked in the way it has done uh, in previous weeks. Yeah, I, I, I agree when it comes to his uh, his plan B. When you, were, when you were talking, I was just looking at the, again, the bench and I was thinking, well, if you had to say what, what is his plan B and, and plan C? Well, plan B is carry on with plan A, you know, essentially. But also... I will say about the changes, if you were to change a, a side who are drawing nil-nil, let's just say at Middlesbrough, let's use it for an example. 
So you're drawing nil-nil at Middlesbrough and you're wanting to then implement changes into the side because you're looking at getting that winning goal. Okay, you bring Fatou on. Okay, you can bring Jamie Vardy on for Ian Acho. Uh, you could bring um, Cassidy on for maybe Chowdhury in midfield or Pereira and then swap them round, etc. Um, so he would then go into midfield alongside Drewsbury Hall and Winks in, in that forward line in, in that midfield you could maybe uh yes bringing on a, a center half isn't quite what you would do to maybe change the game but it's it's there and then you've got the uh, the option of maybe uh, a dacker or cannon for one of those midfielders to then have two up top um which eventually they went with right at the end when Vardy came on because he came on for Chowdhury so you have that. You have the ability to change players in those light-for-light positions to bring on five, or at least five, or up to five, sorry, um, fresh faces who are still of a very good quality and probably better than the opposition in this league. That generally is a plan B. I know it sounds a bit rudimental, but it kind of is. When you've got such a powerful squad that Leicester have, why not utilise that? That's why it would be a slight question. The, the second, the, the well, the, the plan C, the next next option would, of course, be to change the formation. Well, I, I don't think that will be necessarily a, a thing that he would do. I, I think it would be a, a slight change. You know, you're not talking all of a sudden uh, a complete you know, you're not going from a, 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 a three-five-two. Right, we're going to go back to a four-four-two or anything like. That. It's not that kind of simple when it comes to this sort of football. It's it's kind of what you may have been watching over the last maybe your whole lifetime. This this is a kind of a new brand, especially at Leicester. You know, we're not talking elsewhere. We're talking at Leicester. This is completely different to what we've seen at any time in the club's history, and maybe going to a a, a more rigid four-four-two could work out on on occasion later on who knows but those are the options that's available to to Enzo and I don't mind the fact that plan A is the way he's going to go but I I just think looking at that it would have been an easy thing to have brought those players on and and, and give them that um and give them that option and give them that uh, that strong bench why not use it again it's a it's an easy thing to say afterwards you've left to score a free kick in the top corner with 5 minutes to go and it's maybe Dewsbury Hall who does it, or it's someone who would have been an easy, easily replaced. You know, Chowdhury scores with eleven minutes to go, and you're thinking, hang on, he could have been the one who, who could have easily been taken off. Um, but then again, of course, you you bring on a substitute, and it and it works, and and Enzo's a, a mastermind. But um, the question is still there, isn't it? It is what happens when the going gets tough in a game, and that was the question labelled at. Leicester and it was a, a question we were just waiting to see in a game where Leicester are up against it what does happen and I wouldn't say that they were up against it against Middlesbrough it was just the way the game was going and and I couldn't understand them keeping those players on against Leeds it's slightly different because Leeds came with a game plan that was and again you're only talking about two substitutions you know Chowdhury coming on for Cassidy um, Ian Acho replacing Vardy you know there was no I know McAteer was coming back from injury, but um, you know Ian Acho never. Um, he, he came on with a thirty minutes to go, but Albrighton um, again, Dacker, the lost man. But Leeds came with a, a plan that I don't think anyone else will be able to implement. I think what you said is have teams worked out Leicester. I would fundamentally say no, 
And if they have, and they take the Leeds blueprint, then bring it on, is what I would say. Bring it on. Because Middlesbrough did not play like Leeds. It was one of those games, like Hull, like games which we've scored late on to win, but unfortunately it went the other way into the top corner. If teams are going to turn up at the King Power Stadium and press very, very high up the field and be... So they must have been so wound up by the manager. Leicester were really caught cold in those first ten or fifteen minutes. How Leeds didn't score, and they tried to play their way, and they just about got away with it. Leicester just about, but you're playing against a side who are they are one of the best teams in the league, if not alongside Leicester. You'd say I know Whips, which are flying as well, but they really are one of the top sides. So if another side like I don't know, Blackburn or uh, Huddersfield, I don't know, turn up at the King Power and try and do what Leeds did, they're going to get picked apart very easily. Leicester will end up with the ball in midfield and their midfield, Winks could be on the halfway line, Dewsbury Hall could be just inside their half and their def- their midfield would be 20 plus yards away inside Leicester's half and, and it will be easy for Leicester just to walk through and pick them off. I think if teams follow Leeds' example, it would be fantastic for Leicester because it, they're just not as good. Leeds are a mile away from most clubs in that league and they're really on a run now. And they're going to be close to Leicester at the end of the season. Of course they are. They're going to be going on a, uh, they're, they're going to be losing or dropping points sporadically throughout the course of the season, just like Leicester. Um, so I, I, that's why I wouldn't worry because you look at the two games and you go... One team is one of the best teams in the league and they just won. One team are, again, on a very good run, a really good team. And Leicester, they just did not have their their shooting boots slash their final ball. But that is still something we need to work on. And again, just going back to those comments I meant earlier, they need the players in position in the final third. It's all very well having the plan for what the goalkeeper does with the ball, passing the ball out wide, and how the defence then plays. Those intricate passes, those passes forward, pass back, and then the run's being made. Fantastic. Winks has been brilliant. Vestergaard with the most passes in the league or touches of the ball. Uh, Vass, the defence has been really good. And then you move forward. Um, yes, they have missed Wilfred Ndidi in that position. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I... I don't understand why Cassidy did not come on against Middlesbrough. Surely that would be, if you're missing that last person, I still think he could play as a number nine in this formation very easily. Very, very easily. And, and the way Leicester are playing, he could play as a number nine. Um, so why he wasn't brought on and told to push up alongside the centre foot, no idea. That would have been, instead of bringing, say, Vardy on, he would have been the one to go, come on, I would have done. Um, so... You look at the rest of the team, and the, and then you go onto the wingers, who have been fantastic. The stars, really, you would say, along with Winks. You would say Fatawu, Mavididi, uh, Makati, they've been excellent. And then you look at the centre-forward, and you look at them and go, yes, they have scored goals, but in this side that are top of the league and have been amazing, where is the weak link? Not in terms of their skill, or what they can do, because they've both had fantastic careers. Goat careers in one case. But where is that weak link in the way Leicester are playing? It's straight down the middle, up top. It is, because Leicester haven't had the opportunity yet to 
to either bring in a striker that fits the system or play one if if Cannon is and I know uh, Maresca said that he's more of a long-term acquisition uh but if 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 he does fit this system and every player that Maresca has signed so far has been signed with a specific purpose I think with the uh with the exception probably of Yunus Akgun who has kind of changed the manager's mind as to his best position but you know Fatu was brought in only to play on the right hand side he's he's played left a couple of times depending on who's who's on the pitch at the time but most of the time stand him out on the far touch line switch the ball to him get him driving inside on his left foot bosh job done same for Mavadidi on the other side um Jewsbury Hall and Ndidi seem to be tailor-made for the number eight role Winks was purchased specifically to be the midfield pivot in the Maresca system so all of the players were, were, were signed to fit and up front so far is the only position where there hasn't been a Maresca type player in the Maresca system. So you've essentially got Vardy or Iheanacho doing the best they can and trying to bring their attributes to a position that doesn't quite suit them. Yes, they're playing as a striker still, but really, are they? Because if you look at the lineup in terms of the starting lineup, the, the fullbacks are, are listed as a right back and a left back, and then you see Ricardo Pereira spend way more time in midfield than he ever does at right back or left back, wherever he's supposed to be playing. V- Vardy, if if Jamie Vardy was let, let's just take him as a as, as his attributes and take away his name and his legacy at the club. If Maresca comes in on day one and sees that kind of player. I personally think he's one of the players on the transfer list as one that doesn't fit the system. Think about players like Luke Thomas and Victor Christiansen. Very clearly earmarked straight away. These don't fit the system. Off you go. Timothy Castagna. One, he doesn't want to be here. Two, he doesn't fit the system. Off he goes. I genuinely think if Vardy didn't have the legacy behind him and the leadership qualities that he has, obviously he brings a huge amount to to the team when he's on the pitch, to the, to the club as a whole. I'm not saying he should have been got rid of, but if he was anybody else... He probably would because his strength is running off the off the shoulder of the defenders and that's not something the striker in this system is asked to do. Iheanacho is intertwining with Vardy in terms of changing game by game probably because he's better than Pats and Dakar at that job. Pats and Dakar is, is the same argument as Vardy but without any of the clout and personality. He's a play on the shoulder, um, pacey finisher. I don't know anything about Cannon. I'm led to believe that he's reasonably big, reasonably tidy with his feet and won't mind playing a bit with his back to goal. And if he turns out to fit the system perfectly and be the sort of... I'm reluctant to use the phrase missing link because it makes it sound like something massive is missing from the team. But to to agree with your point, Pete, that we are saying really that that striker role, when everybody's fit and you've got your first-choice players in every position, that's the only one where the peg is not quite the same shape as the hole. And and that's ultimately the situation we're in. Just to rewind slightly to your other points, I, I agree with you that Leeds are going to do a better job at nullifying Leicester than pretty much any other team in the Championship. I mean, look at... Um, the team have got to be, the opponent have to be, absolutely on the money and at the races in terms of individual performances and the system that they're employing to try and beat Leicester because if you look at somebody a team like a team that have got themselves together now like Southampton when they were a couple of steps off the pace against us early doors 
we stuck four past them and it could have been a million. We absolutely battered them because they tried to play their own way and they weren't good enough at it at that stage. They, they're improving dramatically uh, and they've gone on a decent run. But you're absolutely right. You, you'd look at 10, 15 teams in the championship comfortably. If they come and try to go man for man with Leicester, it's not going to work. Try to press high, they're going to get picked apart. So there's there's no worrying about it. I just think some clubs will probably try and look at elements of how how Middlesbrough and Leeds beat us, but I don't think many of them are going to have the the personnel to be able to do it. No, and and these clubs they are on um, <clears throat> they are on good runs. I mean, Leeds have have won their last three. If you go further back than that, they've won uh, six out of their last seven. Uh, the other one being a, a defeat to Stoke. Um, Southampton, I know they've they've unbeaten in their last uh, eight, so uh, plenty of points there. They've won their last three, and uh, they've stopped shipping goals. It was a good win against West Brom for them, two two one. West Brom played very well that game, um, but they have shored up the defence slightly. Uh, have Southampton and Ipswich are just ploughing on regardless, scoring plenty. They are uh, conceding plenty of goals, but uh, yeah, in their last um, what three games they they beat. Swansea, I know it's 3-2, Swansea were down to 10 men, but I think that was a late goal for Swansea, so fairly comfortable after two 2-2 two, two draws. But if you look at the league overall, um, we, we're still waiting for that hiding, aren't we? We're still waiting for Leicester to really turn up and give a team a hiding. And I suppose just, just looking down, and I was just looking at the league table now, uh, Leicester obviously top level on points with Ipswich, eight points clear of Leeds, nine points clear of Southampton, and then the rest are kind of in behind and and it would be surprising it would be very surprising if unless one of these sides really drops off and you'd be looking at Ipswich there for some reason something goes wrong or maybe the manager leaves who knows he could go to a Premier League club um they they would be a side that you'd imagine could drop off if they do they've still got to lose the nine points that they're over uh Southampton so it would be Difficult to imagine another club being in that top four unless it's Ipswich who drop away. So then you look at just just the goal difference interesting me. We know Leicester have been very good defensively in terms of conceding goals. When they lose, they only lose by a goal to nil on those on three occasions. Um, so they conceded 10, by far the best record uh, in the league uh, by by quite a distance. But just on goals scored, so you're, you've got a team who are f- flying at the top alongside another team who are flying. And Ipswich do score plenty of goals. They've scored 36. They've scored seven more goals than Leicester over 16 games. That's quite a lot. So Leicester have scored 29 goals. Leeds and Southampton are chasing in good form. And they've scored 27 goals each. So they're only two goals behind Leicester, who are, again, a long way ahead of them in the league. And then you go further back. Yes, you're going to have the old club who scores plenty of goals. Sunderland have scored 27. West Brom scored 26. But there are a lot of clubs in the league. Norwich, 29. And there's plenty in the mid-20s. 27 from Plymouth. I know they've had one or two really good um, home wins. Cardiff, 25. There's a lot of clubs who have scored a similar amount to Leicester. Three or four goals less. And again, Leicester are miles ahead of these sides, 15 points ahead of them. And yet we've scored four or three more goals. So it's easy to see where Leicester are coming up short. 
if you win 1-0, that's absolutely fine. The next game against Watford. Okay, we've lost 2-0. Uh, two games 1-0. If we beat Watford 1-0 and then win 1-0 away at Sheffield Wednesday, I'll be happy as Larry. Whoever Larry is. But he's very happy because everyone refers to him as being happy. If we win those two games, then I'll be happy as Larry. Not a problem. But they need to turn this possession, this... The amount of chances Leicester create, they need to start putting them away. It's not that we're not creating these chances. It's not that we're doing half the possession. That's the thing. If you're top of the league and you're looking at it, you go, what can we? What can we work on? Do you know what we could work on? Having scoring more goals. Well, that's fine. But do you create the chances? If you don't, if you're scoring a quite a lot of your chances, then then you're doing fine. The fact that Leicester are just not. It's that is the worry. Um, but then you look at who we're playing next, and we're playing uh, Watford, who are a very strange team. Um, just mentioning those sides, I mean, Ipswich, Leeds, and Southampton, just from a punting point of view, obviously, um, in the industry I work in, uh, to score two or more goals, absolute mustard for those two sides, uh, those three. They, they, they do all the time, hence the reason um, they'll be top of many people's lists. One side that wouldn't be would be Watford, who have scored a few goals on a fair few occasions, but also... They can come up short. I'd imagine, and I've worked with plenty of Watford fans, that they're saying that. They they are close to being actually a, a pretty good side. Um, they, on occasion, will score plenty, but it just seems that at the other end, they lose the plot. And then, on many occasions, they are quite solid, but then it goes wrong at the at the goal-scoring end of things. So, it, it's a, I think they're a very difficult side to predict. It's not like Middlesbrough, who went for a very torrid start of the season, same as Swansea did. And then they've got on a, a really good run and are the team that everyone kind of predicted. I thought Watford would have, actually have a very good season. Um, remarkably, they've given a new contract to their manager. Um, they have slowly crept up the league and they're in 13th place, uh, Watford. And, and at the moment, they're on a fairly long unbeaten run. Um, they're on six-game unbeaten run. They had a very good performance against Rotherham last out, last game. They won 5-0, although Rotherham are the perceived whipping boys. But then you look at what they've done Prior to that, um, they had two 1-0 wins against Sheffield Wednesday and Swansea. So there you go. There's the back-to-back 1-0 wins. They drew 2-2 at home against Millwall uh, in a game they probably should have won. And then they drew 0-0 away at Huddersfield. Um, They're a strange side, but they are dangerous. I just think Watford have more about them than that old adage that I've mentioned on many occasions. The same side turns up at the King Power just wearing different shirts. That's generally what you get with the majority of sides in the championship. I just think Watford aren't one of those sides. I think they're just substantially better than that. In some ways, that might make it easier because they'll have a bit more belief in their own ability and Leicester should have too much ability to sort of play around them and play through the gaps. On the on the goal-scoring front, you've also got to consider the fact that in most games, the game plan seems to be to make sure that you're not losing the game by the time you get to sort of 60 minutes. Tire the other team out, keep the ball, 60-70% possession, and and it's proven by the number of late goals Leicester have scored. I'm not saying they're deliberately not trying to score in the first hour of a football match, but Maresca himself has said it, you don't win a football match in the first hour, in the first 70 minutes. It's the last 20 that are the crucial part, the last 20-30 minutes. So you're almost making sure that you are that you, that you wearing the the opponent out, but then maybe the plan 
I won't call it B, but plan sort of plan A part two is to play with a little bit more intensity in the final third, in almost the final third of the game, if you like, final third of the pitch, final third of the game, um, and and that that's probably another reason why you know it sounds weird because most of the time you'd think you're going into a football match the job is score more goals than the other team so you start trying to do that from the first minute but Maresca's more of a thinker than that and that's why that's probably another contributing factor as to why the the goals scored haven't uh haven't quite been as high as as the other teams but like you said it don't matter if, you, if you're the team that scores the late goal and you win it one nil everybody goes away feeling feeling happy as that fella. Watford, I, I agree with you. I, th- I don't think they're going to be um, a problem for Leicester, really. I think the international break has come at a decent time in terms of the back of the results, but also in terms of uh, injuries for Leicester because indeed he's expected to be back after the international break. Uh, Cannon will have another week and a half, two weeks of training now with... with uh, with his full sort of physical ability back, so he'll get some more fitness on the uh, on the grass and get used to the sort of partnerships that he might be uh, sort of joining in with. Um, yes, I know Winks is missing, but indeed he back. Dennis Pratt is expected back. He's training already, so I think it's it's a nice period of time to take a breather, to welcome a few players back. It it may be that. In some cases, and I'm thinking about something Emma Hayes, the, the Chelsea boss, said uh, obviously it's been announced that she's moving to to become the head coach of the USA. She said her favourite thing or the thing she prides herself most in her coaching is her ability to stretch and challenge players that are already winning. And she re-coined the phrase, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, to if it ain't broke, break it, to... to to push them on she says human beings become stale and they start to just drop a percent or two and I'm not making direct comparisons with this Leicester side compared to the Brendan Rodgers side but when we saw most players complacently knowing that they're going to be on the team sheet for Brendan Rodgers for whatever reason that they were getting there every game the performances tailed off massively what have you got to play for? There's there's no there's very little element of playing for the shirt. There's very little element of playing for the fans. The odd roar from the fans might give you the odd boost for a couple of minutes, but apart from that, they're not out there doing. They're not they're not out there totally fully motivated by the fact they're wearing a Leicester shirt. They're out there and they're doing a job. We all have. I mean, most of us have jobs, right? And most of us have got to a point in a day at our job or a few months into a job or if you've been in the same job doing the same thing for years, you get to a point where you could go an entire day and not even really think about what you've done. You just go through the motions. I'm not saying that we're at that extreme with Enzo Maresca's Leicester, but I do think that bringing back players like Undidi, Dennis Pratt, Tom Cannon, Casey McAteer back to full fitness, that will provide additional options to Maresca to make more changes in the game, but also to make more changes to a starting lineup to remind the other players that they are not guaranteed a starting position. That might up 5% in training. I've got to show the boss that I deserve my place back. That might up 5% in the game. 
I've got to make an impact here to make sure I'm in the team next time. And I, I do think that having a wider range of players available that do fit the system, I think that will make a difference. Yep, it's um, it's when you when you mention uh, the players to come back, you kind of go, you know, oh, it's Wilfred Ndidi, it's Dennis Pratt. You know, it's 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 ridiculous. Um, you'd imagine a, a fully fit Dennis Pratt could play the um, the role that Winks would play, and obviously Winks would be a big miss against against Watford being suspended. Um, Hamza Chowdhury, of course, can play that role, and they'll have to slightly taper the way they play because you couldn't give it into insane positions or you'd have to offer better options um, or you could actually just play the same way and, and, and just see see how it goes on the day. Um, Sheffield Wednesday afterwards, they're, they're having a torrid time of things. They, we play them on the Wednesday, sold out the away allocation. Um, so tremendous there. Um, it's nearly 4,000 or so. Are you going to that? Of course, it's only down the road. Yeah, that's what. Just, 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 just. Mate, if, if you um, can't get an away ticket for Wednesday when they're selling as many as that, then you're not going to get an away ticket all season, are you? The the chairman at Wednesday is absolutely desperate for any cash he can get. You know, if if Wednesday did a full boycott, he'd probably sell the entirety of Hillsborough out to Leicester fans. When it comes to the Wednesday game, it's difficult again. When you're trying to, I mean, we, we could even do a podcast before then, but trying to predict. The two, or trying to talk about the second game after the first, is always difficult. But um, I think it it doesn't need anything more to say than just three points. Yeah, they're rubbish. They are also strike me as a team that are starting to try and play football, try and play football from the bottom of the championship after the disastrous start you've had, after the breakdown in relationship between the uh, the owner and the fans. Try and play your way out of championship uh, relegation. I'm not convinced. If they try and play their way around us, they, I'm going to be celebrating a 6-0 victory on my way back from Hillsborough to home, which is all of a 10-minute journey, but I will be celebrating all 10 of those minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, was gonna, I was just thinking about the score um, prediction for, for the two games. Um, it will be interesting to see whether Cannon gets a, a game. Um, you'd have to feel that he would come off the bench if Leicester are in a strong position. Obviously, why not if they're not in a strong position now? He's on the bench for a game two weeks prior. So a further two weeks of rehabilitation slash training, as long as nothing goes wrong, then that surely would be an option. And you'd imagine it's an odds-on favour that we will see uh, Cannon at some point at the King Power uh, a week Saturday. Tough game for me, Rob. I'm going to go for a continuation of the 1-0s, but a 1-0 home win. I'm going 2-1 Leicester against Watford and 5-0 Leicester against Wednesday. Oi, oi, 5-0 away win. Yes, um, please. I'll say if you've been drinking, but I am sat here with a bottle of Cobra, so uh, it's me who has. Um, I, I'm i going to go 4-3-1. I think we might concede, actually. I'm going to go for 3-1 Leicester um, for the away game. At, uh, at Hillsborough. Um, now, other things, we've got uh, a few things to uh, touch on. We've obviously got the fancy football we're doing in a second. Um, just one uh, thing, I don't know whether you, uh, anyone would have uh, seen this on Twitter or, or listened to it, uh, plugging in another podcast, but um, a podcast called We Welcome Your Teams. It's basically about stadium announcers, something that we've both done 
uh, at some way, shape or form. And um, Bradley, the announcer at Leicester, he's got an episode. Uh, only last couple of weeks he did an episode. I actually, I, I work with Bradley and doing another another job, um, some, some racing and stuff. So, um, and I was talking to him about it. It's a really good listen. I've only listened to half of it, but it's very interesting for Leicester fans because he talk, he's been doing it for 26 years. So he talks about Filbert Street, how he got the job and about... All, all the behind the scenes at Leicester, things that we know, but it was it's good to hear him talk to the two people who do it. I think it's hosted by the announcer at Manchester United and the announcer at West Brom. So uh, well worth looking for. Uh, you can find Brad on, on Twitter and he's got a link on there. It's like his second post, I think it says here. Uh, Bradley Varnum is his name. So uh, yeah, look for that podcast. Well worth a listen for Leicester fans. Um, also, Everton getting a 12-point deduction, Rob. Not been... Um, confirmed, but there are words about that there might be a 12-point deduction coming Everton's way, which of course will annoy Leicester because they stayed up by, what, a goal or whatever it was in the end. Um, and obviously this 12 points would have been, you know, they would have been in the championship and we wouldn't. I just, it's it's strange because there's, I don't think there's anything really for... Yes, you can be annoyed, but when you're enjoying the season like we are and then the, the big changes that we've had at the football club and the likely return to the Premier League at the moment, looking at the table, it, it's... Um, is it something that we really should be... Yes, we should be annoyed by. The owners, of course, should be. But I don't, I, it, it's, it's difficult. If we were mid-table, then we'd be up in arms. But... Can you be when you're top? No, absolutely not. Uh, I've got no issue with that whatsoever because I'm, I'm not saying that last season I was wishing that we would get relegated, but everything that's happened since we did has been a real positive. I don't think you could have this much change at a football club while still trying to play Premier League football. Can you imagine Maresca trying to have this kind of transfer window that he had in the summer and trying to impart his style of football on the team and you having to come up against the world's best players every week. It would it would have been an absolute mess. He'd have been probably gone by Christmas and we would have been um, struggling once again. I, th- I think you're right. As fans, we're enjoying this season. Uh, I'm absolutely buzzing to go to Hillsborough in a couple of weeks and... Uh, we're also very much optimistic of the return to the Premier League. I think that that has to caveat it. You wouldn't enjoy the Championship if you had no hope of getting back out of it. We've been there. I've season ticketed my way through several seasons like that and it was not fun. But we're enjoying this season. Everything's positive. It's enabled a chance for the club to reset, restructure and in in many ways it's done us a favour. And I also think, in an entirely unrelated note, that Everton could probably still stay up if they if they get docked 12 points because Deitch has finally got his stamp on the team. They're picking up results and there are three teams 12 points worse than them in the Premier League. Absolutely. And uh, and we'll see what happens with other clubs as well because there's um, obviously Manchester City and the 10,000 charges against them and also uh, it turns out that Chelsea, who would have thunk it that... Uh, a lot of their money was being filtered off elsewhere, but uh, there we go. It's just the way things are. Let's go on to the, from my position, completely dreadful for Fox 8 Podcast Fancy Football League and the top 10, which I'm nowhere near. 
Okay, the top 10. In 10th place, Daka the Nets, who's definitely not scoring this season. Uh, Mark Gerrard, uh, 80 points last week, 772, 772 points. Uh, down into 9th place is Dobsuza FC, Gabriel D'Souza uh, on the same point, 772. Down into 8th place, Man Red from Bright Oswuzu, um, Owusu, shall I say, same points, 772. Uh, one point further, and that's Major League Saka from Kieran McCloskey, 773. Uh, up into 6th place on 774, uh, Payne Diaz <laughs> from uh, Sahel Asats. Uh, 774 points 776 so crikey not a lot uh, between the uh, 10th and 5th place uh, Team Dalek Amangulati uh, 776 top 5 then so 4th place is 778 points Start Raven Mads from Glenn Richardson uh, down into 3rd place 778 points again uh, Steve Curtin with uh, AFC Lost and Found and the top 2 up into 2nd place 782 uh, Jack Wright with uh, Wall Cottage Cheese and uh, in first place, remaining in first place, uh, Sam Smith with Inter Night Garden and 795, so a real gap at the top. Rob, where are yes. you as I scroll down well before you oh that was a quick that was a quick yes so yeah you've either done very oh, well or in. very badly come on let me speak hang on before before i celebrate how uh how well i'm doing uh just a quick nod to jack right wall cottage cheese there in second uh i'm going to the uh wednesday game with him in a couple of weeks uh and he got engaged in the last couple of weeks in uh in a desert in south america so congratulations to jack for being second oh my god for being second in the fantasy premier league uh for getting to come to the wednesday game with me actually thanks for getting me the tickets i should say and also congratulations for getting engaged yeah so i mean obviously in in an order of three things that's happened in his life so he's got engaged he's second in the for fox 8 podcast fantasy football league and he's going to the football with you a week on Wednesday. I, I I think I generally put the football with you on Wednesday as number two. And obviously finishing or being in second at this stage of the season in the Fox 8 podcast, Fancy Football League, that's got to be top. Yeah, yeah. At least the engagement makes the top three. We'll take that. I'm getting evil stares now. I don't know him. Do I know him? Have I met him, Rob? You haven't met him, no. But I'm sure at some away game this season or some kind of football match we will... Uh... Oh, you you might have bumped into him at my wedding, maybe. Oh Christ! You probably well, did I, I, actually. You probably I did. probably did. I'm yeah. I, I bumped into a lot of people. Uh, anyway, back to the uh, the fantasy Premier League. I'm nineteenth, Pete. It might be the best position I've ever been in. I got ninety points. I'm on an absolute roll. I'm on seven four four. I'm still, you know, a good almost thirty points off the top ten. But ninety. I'm absolutely delighted with nineteenth because. My form last season was absolutely miserable to the point where I'd given up 10 games from the end and adopted, actually adopted Jack's team because he had a better chance of getting me into the top 10. Here I am on his tail-ish. In in terms of the For Fox 8 podcast league, I've been on the verges of the top 10 and I've been generally inside the top, what, 30 most seasons. So I've been there or thereabouts, just not. And then when it comes to um, the league at work... Um, you've got some steely-eyed missile men when it comes to that league. My God, uh, I finished like third and fourth, like really trying and and just 
very close, but could not do anything more. You know, generally, like I'm like, okay, that's the way it is. And then I've got another couple of leagues with friends, and um, I'll I'll win them, and I've won them for like three times on the bounce. This season's been a complete disaster, and I'm not entirely sure why. I don't know. I'm in 163rd place. I have been scrolling this whole time. I've literally just found you. (laughs) I don't know. I don't quite know what's wrong. I I took the wild card. The wild card option, actually. That's the wrong word term because I didn't take the wild card option. I took the the option of I sold Haaland because I needed to get... Alvarez was playing really well for Man City, so I was like, right, he can be my Man City forward. And then I sold him because, I, and then I needed to get Salah. In the two games I've captained Salah, he's I think he's had an assist and then blanked. And then in the games I should have, I've gone. He's obviously then done really well. And to cap it all off, I obviously will target sides. So I would target Sheffield United and Luton. And fair play to them. I couldn't give a rat's ass about Sheffield United, but Luton is kind of like. I think everyone's kind of cheering them on, aren't they? You know what I mean? Um, and but I'm targeting them. So whoever plays Luton, right? I'll have their player. I'll have their main player, and I'll captain them because surely at some point they'll, they'll get a hiding. I think around Christmas they will. And so even if the player's not been playing very well, I will do it. They play against Manchester United. Captain Rashford, nah, just nothing. And and in since you know in, in other games as well against Salah against uh, away at Luton, but. Oh my word! Yeah, it's just not worked out at all. So, um, the problem is, once you get behind, I'm on six hundred and eight points. You've got to make some pretty, pretty devastating decisions, and hopefully, you cop one. I mean, I the 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 one that I I regret, and the big problem I had was I brought in Eddie and Ketia when they played Sheffield United, and I had him as captain. And then the last second, I changed my captain, and I think my captain for that game got some got for that, got some good points. But Eddie and Ketty scored a hat trick, and then I was like, "Hang on, uh, what your plan? You you change your plan?" So after that, that was an extra what twenty odd points. But anyway, never mind. It's um, it would have put me further up the league. But yeah, it's been a complete disaster. But anyway, that's the for Fox Eight podcast fancy football, which of course will be okay, paying plenty of attention to. We. The, just one more thing. The league at work is a head-to-head league, and I am rock bottom, not even on goal difference. I am rock bottom on points. <laughs> so it's it's bad. I need to I need to sort myself out. But, of course, there's now two weeks where there's none. So that could well be it for the podcast, unless you have anything else, Rob. I think it's it's a case of don't panic, isn't it? And, like, let's just... Let's just kind of... Let's just carry on with things, because... You've got a game against Watford and a game away at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, it's crazy not to be very confident about winning those two games, which, of course, we are, and I think everyone is. Um, if that doesn't happen, then, of course, questions will be asked. And even if Leicester do not sit at the top of the table by the time we play next, we, we draw against Watford and we beat Sheffield Wednesday, for example, and, and say Ipswich win their two games, then then still that's not a complete disaster. What I mentioned about what uh, Luton, um, they will suffer around Christmas when the games come thick and fast and into the new year. That's generally when the side starts to fall apart. Um, and we know Sheffield United pretty much have anyway. But um, so when it comes to that side of the season with Leicester, surely it's not crazy to think, Rob, our last kind of point, that when it comes to that stage of the season, Leicester should really be in their element because they have this 
large squad. You've got, I mean, there's just look at again, looking at the bench, two names just spring to mind, and they are the two centre halves, Suter and Cody, who can't get a game. Um, surely, they, obviously, they will come in. The whole rotation will really kick in. You know, you you'll be able to see Leicester changing five players, six players a game when it comes to that stage of the season. And then, of course, we come into January, which will be a whole different kettle of fish with Leicester signing players, players probably wanting to leave as well, or do you hang on for a league winner's medal? We, we, we'll see. But um, being in this position is still a tremendous start to the season, isn't it, Rob? 19 are goal differences compared to the 15 of Ipswich, 11 of Leeds. Southampton is one. Shows you how many goals they concede. Yeah, and we put four of them past them, didn't we? Yeah, I think you you are totally right. Um, we've seen already this season that playing weekend and midweek that Maresca has in most cases rotated at least three, four, five players. And when you get to the Christmas period where you're playing every two or three days for, for a couple of weeks almost, you, you're going to see that change. And, and provided that these players that come back um, after the international break are, are fit and, and kept fit... Less, I mean, Leicester have got the best squad in the in the championship, no no doubt about it. And as long as those players are available, that will tell. Because even the teams that are on decent runs of form and the, the teams that are performing well will lose games in that period because they'll either have to rotate or they'll play the same team and they'll run out of gas. Whereas we've got plenty of legs, I think. Plenty of staying power for the rest of the season, especially topped up by a few January signings, I think. Um, uh, obviously, even on the back of two back-to-back defeats, the the future is looking very bright indeed. One last piece of business is um, please make sure by the time I arrive at your stag do on Saturday that you're not so inebriated that you don't remember me attending. Well, why would I be? I mean, it's not like we're going to 37 pubs in one day. Um, oh no, we are. Um, although a lot of them aren't there, you do you do realise that a lot of them aren't there, as in there's only eleven actually there. Was it twelve? I think it's twelve. Um, yeah, you'll be there slightly later because you're going to go and um, you got work the next day, or you've got to actually do some work the next day. But uh, yeah, thirty-seven. Hist- well, a lot of them obviously are, are historical places that aren't there now. So it's every pub that's ever existed in in Shepshed in Leicestershire. So um, in one day. The weather looks foul, but we'll forget about that. Um, so go around them all. The sight of the ones that were there, and then obviously the ones that are there, you got to have a drink in. So um, pretty good, eh? Pretty, pretty pretty good as a stag do, but we'll, we'll find out. You're, you're turning up later, so yeah, it could be, it could be quite fun by the time you get there. 